Welcome back to Lethal. Let's talk about death row inmates. This week, I'll be covering a Texas death row inmate. What's going on, y'all? I hope everyone had an amazing week. I just wanted to give y'all a little reminder. Episodes will now be released on Friday instead of Wednesday. Also, if you ever want to know what's going on with my podcast, go check out my Instagram at lethal underscore podcast. I try to post as much as I can. I also interact on there. So if you ever want to get in contact with me, shoot me a message. This week, I'll be covering a Texas death row inmate. I'm covering Robert Sparks. He was convicted for murdering his wife, his stepsons that were 9 and 10 years old, and he confessed to raping his 12 and 14-year-old stepdaughters. Before we jump into the case, let's go over some facts about Texas death row. In 2002, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that executing people with intellectual disabilities is cruel and unusual punishment, but left it up to the states to determine the disabilities. In Texas, it is up to the courts to decide if a defendant is eligible for the death penalty according to the Texas Tribune. The House Bill 1030 clarifies instructions to a jury when they are deciding whether to give a defendant the death penalty or life in prison. House Bill 464 allows evidence appeals that could lessen punishments like a death sentence. Okay, let's talk about lethal injection. Since 1977, lethal injection has been the primary method for executing Texas death row inmates. However, the method has changed over the years. It started as a three-drug process. Step one, Texas would administer sodium thiopental, which sedated the inmate. Step two, they used to administer pancronium bromide, which collapsed the inmate's diaphragm and lungs. And step three, they used to administer potassium chloride, which caused the inmate's heart to stop. As of July 9, 2012, this process changed to a one-drug protocol, one dose of pentobarbital. According to the Texas Tribune, in 2011, drug manufacturers started to block their products from being used in lethal injections. When one pharmacy's name was leaked to the public, the owner received death threats and asked for the drug to be returned. However, Texas refused. In 2015, the state legislator passed a law to maintain the privacy of any person or business involved in an execution. In 2016, Pfizer was the last open market manufacturer of drugs that were used in executions. It banned its products from being used for this purpose. Some states had to halt executions since they did not have an adequate amount of drugs for lethal injection. Some states rushed the executions ahead of the expiration dates of the drugs. Some states even started to use midazolam. However, it is a controversial sedative since there has been botched executions in Oklahoma and Arizona. Texas has an adequate amount of pentobarbital. However, the state tried to import drugs from overseas, but the FDA seized the drugs because they were unapproved and misbranded. In Texas, there are currently 14 doses in stock of pentobarbital. With three scheduled executions coming up, three of the doses expire December 23, 2021, and 11 doses expire February 10, 2022. All right, let's get into the case. 
So once again, I have a glass of wine and I'm ready to jump into this case. This week, I'll be covering inmate number 999542, Robert Sparks. He was executed on September 25th, 2019. He was pronounced dead 23 minutes after he was injected. Robert was born February 13, 1974. He was 33 years old at the time of the crime, and his highest education level was completing 8th grade. Not too much information on his background, so we're jumping right into the case. This case started on September 15, 2007, after midnight in Dallas, Texas. The household consisted of Robert Sparks, his wife Cher, his two stepsons, Raekwon and Harold, and his two stepdaughters, Gary Shaw, and Lakinia. So at this time, everyone in the house was asleep. Cher, Robert's wife, was woken up with a hand covering her mouth. She was stabbed 18 times while she was in her bed. Robert then walked over to Harold's bed, his stepson. Robert woke him up and led him to the kitchen, and he was stabbed 45 times. Raekwon was then woken up and led to the kitchen, just like his brother. He was then stabbed repeatedly. The boys' bodies were dragged to the living room, and Robert then covered their bodies with a comforter. Next, Robert walked into his stepdaughter's bedroom. He woke up Lakenya at gunpoint. He forced her out of her bed, then proceeded to tie her up with her bed sheets. He then told her that he killed her mother and brothers and that it was all her fault that they died. He then showed her their bodies. He then woke up his second stepdaughter, Garisha. He tied her up with electrical cords and tied a towel around her mouth so she couldn't scream. Robert told the Kenya that there was only one way to save herself and her sister from being killed. One of the two had to have sex with him. La Kenya said she would do it. Robert walked La Kenya to the living room and raped her on the couch. After this, he grabbed Carisha and walked her to the living room and raped her on the couch next to her sister. Robert then locked the girls in the bathroom while he took a shower. When he got done, he apologized to the girls for raping them and apologized for murdering their mother and brothers. He claimed it had to be done because their mother was supposedly poisoning him and he said the death was actually their fault. During this time, Robert tried to change his license plate on his car but was unable to. He then made the girls look at their brothers that were laying on the living room floor lifeless. Then he made them go to their mother's room and kiss her face. That's just so cruel and devastating to do to those victims. He then locked them in the bedroom closet. He put a dresser in front of the closet door so the girls were unable to get out. He put on a CD player and told the girls help would come when the music stopped. Robert left the scene and drove to his mom's house. He borrowed her car and then drove to his ex-girlfriend's house, Shanta Alexander. He told her what he had done and she supposedly begged him to call the police. Robert ended up calling 911 and confessed to murdering his wife and two stepsons. He also admitted to locking up his two stepdaughters in the closet. He gave the dispatcher the address, then hung up the phone so he couldn't be traced. So the next morning, his cousin drove him to the bus station. He traveled to Austin, Texas. Robert eventually traveled back to Dallas after a couple of days and called the investigator. He asked if they found a cassette tape at the house. He said the cassette tape was very important because he had a recording of his wife or one of the kids admitting to plotting against him. He was eventually arrested. He made a statement to the police requesting that his blood be tested for poison and requested that Lakenya and Garisha be polygraphed regarding share poisoning him.
Robert provided fingernail, blood, and hair samples to be tested for poison. However, the tests were never conducted. He told police a voice told him to kill his family. Robert confessed to the murders on tape and stated that he recorded his family because he thought they were poisoning him. He also stated that he told Cher that he would kill her if he found out he was being poisoned. Robert was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder and was psychotic with delusions. According to the National Alliance on Mental Illnesses, people who suffer from this disorder have the following symptoms. They could have hallucinations, meaning hearing or seeing things that aren't there. They can have delusions, meaning fixed beliefs, disorganized thinking, a depressed mood, and have manic behavior. This can be caused by drug use, stress, brain chemistry and structure, or genetics. During the trial, there were several disruptions. One of the times, Harold's father jumped up and tried to get his hands on Robert when he heard the details of his son's death. The closing arguments were also delayed because Robert attempted suicide. He was eventually convicted of capital murder and sentenced to death in December 2008. Seven of the victim's family members attended the execution. Lakenya and Garisha attended the execution as well as Harold's father. Robert was pronounced dead at 6.39, 23 minutes after being injected with pentobarbital. Robert's lawyer argued that he was intellectually disabled, stating he should not have been executed for this reason. According to the Texas Tribune article by Jolie McCallu, his attorney tried to hire a neuropsychologist to determine if he was intellectually disabled. This was denied. Robert had a low IQ, he struggled in his special education classes, and had a poor memory. If he was deemed intellectually disabled, he would have been ineligible for the death penalty under the U.S. Supreme Court. However, Judge Godby stated that Jordan had a full analysis before trial and he was not deemed intellectually disabled even with his IQ score. Robert's attorney argued that his trial was tainted by false testimony and argued the bailiff had an effect on the jury. The bailiff wore a tie with a syringe on it during jury deliberations. However, the Supreme Court denied his final appeal an hour before his execution, and the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals declined to stay the execution because they stated his attorneys did not present sufficient evidence to show that Jordan was mentally disabled. Jordan's last statement was, I quote, um, Pamela, can you hear me, Stephanie, Hardy, Marcus? Tell all the family I love them. I'm sorry for the hard times, and what hurts me is that I hurt y'all, and even for y'all too. And Patricia, she wrote me, tell Patricia I wrote her back, and to tell y'all what I said. I love y'all. I am ready. End quote. After the execution, Lacanya stated, I quote, 12 years later, we're both standing here. I want him to know we're not suffering. We're hurt emotionally, but physically we're fine, end quote. She also added that since he was executed, it kills the nightmare. So what do you think? Do you think the bailiff's tie really had an effect on the jury? Or do you think Jordan deserved to be executed? Let me know what you think. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to subscribe and please rate and review on Apple Podcast. Go follow my Insta at lethal underscore podcast and feel free to shoot me an email at lethal.tcpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to tune in next Friday for a new case and a new inmate. I'll be covering a new death or inmate in a new state. I'll see you then. All the information used in my podcast came from the following sources. 
21cbsdfw, law.justia.com, jami.org, tdcj.texas.gov, and the Texas Tribune article by Jolie McCallu. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you all next week.